what it's worth. I've known about furries for a long time before this experience, but I'd never seen it in action. I, I, I see the furries at the cons, and I ne I'm always wondering who is in there. That's the first thing I'm wondering. Is it a man? Is it a woman? An introduction to and exploration of the furry fandom. Wait for just one second until yes. you guys have pulled out. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, we're pulling out right now, so it's, uh, it's a slow process. For what it's worth may cause happiness, joy, strong dihydrogen oxide ocular secretions. Oh yeah, and like the mechanism that makes the fire blow out of his mouth, that's probably four grand, right? And other similar side effects. Make sure to contact your veterinarian if you experience any of those side effects after 12 hours following your listening. Have you had a potty emergency? Got one right now. <laughs> When is the new Animaniacs? Five and a half hours, I got a body <laughs> If you have any of the symptoms, make sure to listen to the two not doctor fools, Sammy and Rue. Well, this is Rue um, from good old Utah, the beehive state. And this is Sammy. Sammy, we have both been vaccinated recently. Yeah. And so we're like vaxxed bros. I guess. They still <laughs> lied to us. Why did they lie to How did they lie to us? Because we didn't grow tails or get our own 5G signal. <sighs> I was really hoping for that. Tail. Or a microchip. None of that. They <laughs> lied. They lied. <laughs> so what have you been up to? Um, Not a whole ton other than got vaccinated a little bit ago. Um, Got that done. Um being working you know going through the day-to-day -day. um finally finished red dead redemption 2 after like two years that's awesome so i actually remember when i played that game yeah and you shot the clerk for no reason and then i just paid the fee and, and, and ran off yeah 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 so so you enjoyed it how oh, yeah. was the ending well technically i'm in the epilogue but it's just extra stuff at that point. Gotcha. I'm and I'm not a completionist. I just play games for the storyline most of the time. And if you know me, I am really bad at finishing video games. <laughs> so the fact that it only took two years is actually a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> what else have you been up to? Um, not much else. March. It's March now. Yeah. Can you believe it's been a year I since all this started? Can't believe it. Um. Uh, March is a fun month for me personally. Um, March is a anniversary month for me. It's at this point, it'll be five years since I started my um, hormone therapy for uh, transgender hormones, female to male. So testosterone um, and four years since my top surgery. So that's pretty cool for me. I like to uh, celebrate that a little bit in in march so other than that things are are pretty chill well congratulations that's awesome thanks that's that's super amazing news i really don't have much that that i've been up to um i've been playing this game called maquette i think i said it correctly i have no idea um i think it's i think that's how you say it let's see um but maquette yeah yeah, so what's interesting about it is you you 
have like this small scale model that you can move little pieces around, but then the world around you, it's it's affecting the world around you. So if you move a staircase, it moves it in the real world. Huh. But then but then um there's even a bigger world inside of the real world. So you have to kinda like I don't know, you have to it's it's really, really trippy. It's it's free right now on um PlayStation five. So huh. If you're lucky enough to have a PlayStation 5. Uh, yeah. Because those are still really hard so to find. So hard to find. <laughs> um, and then I still have been house hunting, which has been absolutely murderous. Um, anybody that currently has a home right now, let me tell you, keep on to that home because it's going to be really difficult for... Um, for you to sell that home and then go find another one in no, the no. market, unless you have cash. The easy part is to sell it. The hard part is finding another one. Okay, yes. Thank <laughs> you for correcting me there. But um, yeah, it's been really hard to find um, a home right now. We've been offering like $25,000 over asking price, and people are just not even batting an eye. Yeah. Because, crazy you know cash offers come in and stuff like that so anywho that's what i've been up to yeah well hopefully you'll find somewhere soon i i'm not envious of you right now but i have a house so i guess it's okay <sighs> why are you flaunting that in my face i know that's... come i'll come flaunt my thousand square foot house at you <laughs> <laughs> well guess what i'm hungry okay well there's always cookies. <sighs> okay. Will he reuse another one? Is he ready? Is he going to bed with pastries again? It's Ruse Cookie Time, not sponsored by Betty Crocker. Okay, so here's the cookie moment for today. It's regenerate your system with cookies in bed with a cookie. Yeah, that's double cookies. That's like Inception there. That's interesting. A cookie inside of a cookie. That's almost like that video game that I've been playing. Yeah. Well, don't they make like brownies with cookies inside them? Or am I imagining that? I think you're just going too far now. Oh, okay. back guys so we've got a couple guests with us today um gonna be talking about uh some fun stuff i hope um so we've got cosmic and rhubarb here with us um so so at for right now how about you guys introduce yourselves tell us a little bit about you um how long you've been in the fandom um how about the last con you went to even though i know the last one was like two years ago at this point um but just give us a little a little bit about yourselves i think you should start oh. since you got into the 
Oh, I did. That's well, yeah. Okay, so <laughs> yeah, we might have to tag. Team. How much time do you have? Way back in what was it, two thousand four? There was an episode of CSI called Fur and Loathing. Oh no! Oh no! And <laughs> love that episode. It's great. Yes, because it showed us we were living in Southwest Missouri, and it showed us that there was a fan base for anthropomorphic fans out there. There had to be, or they yeah. wouldn't have made an episode about it. Yeah. I mean, we, we already kind of knew that CSI's grip on reality was tenuous at best. So I think our reaction at the time was, what's the truth behind this? So Wow, was... you are the first people that I have met that actually got into the fandom based upon that particular episode. The majority of people like ran so far away from the fandom and it became like... For a point in time, it became almost like a black stain uh -huh. on the fandom for a period of time. So that's very interesting. Well, well I, yeah. I'm not saying that the show got us into the fandom. Yeah. But it let us know that a fandom was out there. Yes. So flash forward five or six years. Okay. And at this point, uh, I am out in the Orlando area doing some theater work. And Orlando, Florida has a major fringe theater festival every year. And so I uh, got involved as a volunteer and Rhubarb was still uh, doing some work back in Missouri with his uh, jingle writing business and, and music lessons and things and came out for a visit. And this was like two weeks after the festival. And all I could do was go on and on about how wonderful this fringe theater festival was Yes. And uh, it was somehow decided that Rhubarb was going to write a one hour musical specifically to put into the Fringe Festival. And so we went to Borders mm -hmm. and found a copy of Animal Farm by George Orwell. Oh. Thinking, animals, this would make a great musical. Yeah. And surely it's out of copyright by now. Uh, except yeah. it wasn't. Except and it wasn't. the Orwell estate, I don't even know if they thought it would make a great musical because they wouldn't even talk to us. Yeah. Oh, so Rhubarb had all these songs he had written and all these characters he had developed. And I think at the time, the conceit was going to be that it wasn't actually in Animal Farm and it wasn't actually the characters in Animal Farm, but it was the present day Manor Farm that now stood in 2010 where Animal Farm had stood 50, 60 years earlier. And these were the descendants of the characters in Animal Farm. Hmm. Even then, the Orwell estate was like, no, you said two words, Animal Farm, and we won't talk to you now. And then later we found out Elton John was writing something and was like, oh, of course, Elton John gets to write whatever you want. Anyway. All right. and, and that never happened. So, yeah. ah. so that musical sort of died <laughs> rather painfully. And there, there was very little rejoicing, as in none at all. So two years later, the show got re resurrected, but, oh no, so instead of that, yes, it, yeah, yeah, I'll yeah. get to the other show. Yeah. Uh, instead of that, Rhubarb ended up writing a show about the creative process and how daunting it is when you've got people telling you no, and that show was called Julie Bunny Must Die. Oh. And one of the characters was a furry. 
Yes. Uh, I, like at the time, I was unaware that anyone had actually done a, a, a had actually put a a furry character in uh in a, a an otherwise kind of large world piece. And I just wanted to, I just thought it would be interesting to be the first guy to do that, even though I knew that I would probably get a lot of criticism for it. But you know, by that time, like I had found fur affinity. Um, you know, I was you know, I was already kind of like sticking my toes in into the whole world of it. And even though I hadn't been to a convention yet. So that's that's all we had to go on for this character uh, that who was named Laser Wolf. Laser Wolf, yes. Um, and he had a partial fursuit built just for this show that we ended up doing. And we did the show in 2010. Yes, right? yeah. we did the show in 2010. So this was a show in 2010. Uh, and then Rhubarb got to go to his first con six months after the show debuted. And that was? That was Midwest Fur Fest 2010. Oh, wow. Wow. Now, uh, so he's still living in Missouri. I'm working in Orlando. This is now two years of this, and we're like, this living apart thing really sucks. So the next summer, summer of 2011, we've now done another Fringe Festival where, uh, oh, and by the second, the 2011 festival, Rhubarb had not only the Laser Wolf, he had another suit. He had a Rhubarb the Bear suit. Yes. So Rhubarb did a one bear show. Uh, and I did a cabaret that was just a normie thing. Um, and we each had a show in the 2011 festival. So that Labor Day, Labor Actually, Day. I did not have a show in the 2011 festival. You may be thinking of 2013. I'm thinking of 2013. It's okay. I got the suit in 2011. I just didn't. That's right. I hadn't figured out what to do with it yet. Okay. Yeah. When you get to be my age, something's got to go first. It's and the memory usually follows. Oh! Um, so that's right. Okay, so I had the one-man show called I'm Just Not That Gay. Uh, and that's right. It, it, Rhubarb was in it. Yes. He had a cameo appearance uh, because the, the thing at the end of the show was that by this point, he had decided he was going to sell the house in Missouri or it, it ended up being that rented out. Anyway, the point is he was going to move here, which he did in January of 2012. But before that, Labor Day weekend, I thought, I have a whole week off of my work here in, uh, at the Playhouse where I'm music director, and that's my full-time thing. So I called him up, and I said, I have a week off. How about if I come and I spend it with you in Missouri, and then we can just hang out for the week? And he said, oh, um, I'm going to be at a convention Labor Day weekend. I said, oh, where? And he said, well, it's in Memphis. And I said, oh, oh okay, well... How about if I meet you there? Now, he didn't say what. Could, all he said was a convention. So my brain is thinking convention. I thought advertising, advertising or convention or he uh, and his his advertising partner were going to be on a work weekend. And I had accompanied them before to Terre Haute and basically just stayed in the hotel room with Rhubarb. And then while he was at work, I walked down and saw movies, went shopping, you know, just strolled around and visited all three blocks of beautiful downtown Terre Haute. And um, I thought the same thing. I said, I'll just come hang out in the room and you can do your thing. And then at night we'll have some time together. We can get dinner, whatever. And he said, well, it's a furry con. <laughs> and I said, and that's the excuse okay. we all use. Yeah. So that's fine. And he said, well, if you're going to come, you're probably going to want to have a fursona. 
Okay. This is where wow, I... Wow, talk about bait and switch there. I just got like... into the fandom <laughs> like by jumping into the 20-foot deep end of the pool by figuring I had to then, in within a couple of weeks, create an FA page, create a fursona, and people oh, asked, no. how did you arrive at Bearcat? And I said, because I sat around at night thinking, if I was an animal, what would I be? Well, of course, I'm a bear, you know, or... But I really identify with a cat, but I'm physically a bear, but mentally a cat, bear, cat, bear, cat, bear, cat. That sounds familiar. Google, 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 bear, cat, Binturong, <laughs> yep, a civet. They're a thing. The Asian bear cat. So I thought, they're adorable. <laughs> and that's how I became a bear cat. And by the way, Binturongs have the best tails. They're huge uh, oh. and fluffy. There, huh? uh, okay. Yeah, y- y'all with your paws and your maw, no, tails. <laughs> tails and cute we have, accessories. We have, we, have already, we, we have already gone on the... Uh... We're on to that Sorry, already. You were on to that already. So uh, <laughs> I flew in Friday morning of the con and got in like stupid early, like 8 o'clock. I mean, people were still getting up and having breakfast and the hotel had a breakfast and I knew Rhubarb wasn't going to arrive because he was driving until 1 o'clock that afternoon. Yes. So 8 o'clock in the morning, I'm sitting in the hotel cafe with my powdered scrambled eggs and my crappy sausage links and crappy paint. You know, they had the usual low rent food and I'm looking around and all these people have like lanyards filled with badges as I thought oh these must be the con goers but nobody was in suit because it was 8 a.m. on a Friday morning they were barely alive so I'm there and I filled out an FA journal entry on the laptop while I was there and I thought I'm just gonna hang around I'll kill time and then round about the time I wandered out into the lobby a couple of people found me and went are you cosmic I'm like Yes. I'm Max. This is Tonka. We're going to take you to lunch. <laughs> and they did. So this is two hours after breakfast. They're already taking me out to this Chinese place for lunch. So we got to meet. And it turned out these were the people with whom Rhubarb was going to stay, along with our friends Holly and Matsy, I think. was it? Yep. Yeah. So it was this big thing. Um, and Tonka drove this dilapidated old RV caravan thing up to the con. I don't know how it made it, but he and Max ended up staying in that and we had their room. So that was how we right. got to stay there. I but don't remember it being dilapidated though. I remember it, was, it being tricked out. It was pretty, pretty ratchet. Oh, okay. <laughs> it was it was not a luxury hotel room. No. Anyway, so that was when I jumped into the fandom. So both of us within about a year back in the 2010, 2011 era got into the fandom and uh at the time i don't know how i figured this out i said is there a talent show and they said yes there's the masquerade i said oh i don't have a costume they said you don't need one for this i said well i didn't bring a piano keyboard that's okay bucktown tiger's here you can use his oh yeah. bucktown is it okay if he uses your piano yeah brother paul recognized paul <laughs> good old he was bucktown. so cool i love bucktown so yeah. uh on sunday afternoon I pulled out this cabaret number that I've been doing in in lounges and shows that was mildly suggestive in a very G-rated way. PG. PG PG-rated. Anyway, uh, and did that. And uh, Rhubarb, of course, had planned a whole number that had a pre-recorded track, including background vocals and staging with Calamity Cougar and and uh, had 
decided at the he was rhubarb cub. Yes. The TLDR version of that is that 20 years before that we were both AOL guides and I was guide cub. And so before rhubarb was a guide to get him onto my free account he made rhubarb cub thinking it would relate to guide anyway so it was a free AOL account so he was rhubarb cub and decided no he was going to have to not be a cub he was going to be a full blown bear so as rhubarb cub <laughs> he planned this number called i'm leaving the fandom which is on the internet on the fa and you can still hear it sometimes on the rabbit hole uh which is internet radio rabbitsfoot.us and um at the end of the, the mask he was going to go backstage with his laptop flip the switch and deactivate the rhubarb cub page and fire up the rhubarb the bear page that he had created switch over to a new email all the whole thing was going to happen and i don't remember if it did or anything but it did yeah everybody everybody remembers that so uh, at that point we were both fully invested i had already gone out and commissioned several badges and bought a dvd and some other cd's and stuff and and uh that was it that was that was the beginning of everything and we just kept performing at every con we could get to at uh oh you want to talk about your first tff um my oh, my first tff yes okay vis-a-vis -vis mff oh uh well i i suppose so well, okay. So, Rhubarb so, was at Midwest Fur Fest 2011. Okay, which was my last Midwest Fur Fest because I haven't the schedule stopped working out after that year. But uh but at that point I had the Rhubarb suit. And uh at one point it was okay, it was me, it was Bucktown Tiger, like Blue Healer was there with his guitar and we were and we were uh playing the piano in the hallway and uh and this is when uh party rock anthem had just come out and uh so you know we're ever gonna dun 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 and um and this created a dance riot in the hallways so much so that after <laughs> after about 10 or 15 minutes of this they sent security after us and shut us down because uh, there were so many people it was blocking the hallway and creating a fire hazard. I'd like to point out that that became a recurring theme with us oh. at cons. Yes. <laughs> yeah, like getting shut down is, is kind of what we do at conventions. Um, but, but it, so anyway, so I thought, okay, well that was, that was my furry music career. It lasted 10 minutes. I'll go down. <laughs> in, I'll go down in history, but, um, uh, but a few days after that, I got a call from the organizers of T of TFF, Texas Furry Fiesta. Yeah, and and this is around. This is right before Christmas, right? And uh, and they said, "We hear that you have an amazing performing bear act that you oh. do. I mean, could you could you come do it at our convention?" So of course I told them, yes, I have an act that will knock your socks off. As you can probably guess, I did not have an act at all. But they don't need to know that. But they don't need to know that. And <laughs> um, and uh, but but I already I already had an idea of what I wanted to do. I mean, uh, the 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 rhubarb head has an articulated jaw. 
and so he was always he was always designed to be a talking character and um and and the pause the fingers come out of it so i and that so i would could figure out how to play guitar play piano like like any any instrument that actually that actually worked that way i i could do so i thought well this is you know, this is just fate you know, telling me this this is time for rhubarb to become a performer and um and 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 of course we had you know wireless mic technology you know that was uh, i mean i think you know, like even 10 years after it's it's we're you know we're still quite a bit better than we were back then it, it was... back then it sounded like this when you i still and, sound like that yeah and it and it would like it would crackle it would cut out it was it was not great but it was starting to get close enough that i thought okay this this is how rhubarb will work you know it's like he will you know, he he can he can navigate a stage and he can he can talk he can sing he can play guitar and piano he can play guitar and piano and bass and well i mean uh, anything that never, doesn't have a mouthpiece rhubarb has never really played bass though but he could he could yes <laughs> uh, but uh but pretty much that very first show at uh texas furry fiesta in 2012 absolutely everything went wrong Oh no. <laughs> and and they loved it anyway. And we learned. And we learned, we learned from that. Yes. Well, pretty much what we learned is that like furry con audiences are the best. They 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 really are. You know, they are and I don't know if it's just because they're happy that somebody is there specifically to entertain them or I don't think it's just that they're easy. I think they're demanding audiences, but but when you, I don't want to say cater, but but you play to the home crowd. Yes. You know, if if you say we we know you're there, you exist, and we love you, and we're part of you, and and we're doing this for you and with you, as opposed to just you know going up there and going, uh, you're just another audience, because they're not just another audience. You know, we they're our audience and yes. we're all in the furry family yeah, yeah so true. i think they appreciate that yeah it sounds like that you guys have a great passion for for the fandom itself um what would you what would you guys do if the fandom was just gone um well what have we done for the past year that would be a good indication of what we would do <laughs> Which is a whole lot of nothing. I just sort of yeah. threw myself back into work, yeah. doing a lot, a yeah. lot of reading and a lot of writing and uh, music writing, um, doing arrangement, uh, taking classes and, and concentrating on. I do Duolingo. I'm working on German and French uh, primarily and then a bunch of other things because I have a short attention span uh, doing crosswords and and just. I don't know though. It's like because so that's our social life. Socially, we we haven't gone out. We just don't are, do anything. Even are you, you know, guys we have friends at work, but we don't socialize. Yeah. Are you guys excited to to eventually get back out on stage at some point in time? Oh gosh, yes. Well, <laughs> he, part okay. It's a that's a dual edged question because yes, we is. are back on stage because gotcha. that's my real job. 
yes. I, I as gotcha. a Playhouse music director, I, I work in live theater and, and we came back in January with live performances for a quarter of the house and doing a lot of virtual taping and things, but we're, we're back to working on shows and doing live stuff. So that would still be there. Um, it's, but it's all the other social stuff that I would miss. I mean, just, just yes. running up and random hugs in the hallway and hanging out. And, and, and when you're at a con, you're not in the real world. Right. And, and, it's it's that I mean I'm gonna call it the Zootopia, because that you know that's sort of hit it on its head. You know it's it's the world we want to live in. Right. We want to live in that world. You know, with friendly critters who all love each other as long as we get the Nazis out. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we I want agree. to pretend One that thing it's that time. world. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So. Um, you know, obviously we're talking about music. So Cosmic, you DJ as well. Um, and then Rhubarb, I've heard some of your, your stuff you put up on FA. Um, what really got both of you into music? Is it something, is it one of those, well, I was, when I was a kid, I had to take a music class and it stuck with me. Or was there something really specific that got you into making music? Um, especially like DJing Cosmic, you know, what's, what kind of got those paths set? Wow. Okay. Um, uh, when I was a kid, my friends were records. Okay. Uh, I didn't have actual human friends, which is probably why all my friends now are furries instead of humans. <laughs> uh, so I, I would, I collected 45s for you kids who don't know what a 45 <laughs> is. Um, I would, I have some in the back of the room. I would show you before streaming. We had these things called CDs. They were a digital storage (laughs) format that music came on. And before that we had, I don't have any over here, a thing called vinyl records. Your rich friends are buying these things again, even though the sound is not as good. And there were vinyl records that were 12 inches around and then little ones that were seven inches around and had a big hole. And those were called a single because they had one single song on each side. So that's how we consumed music. You would hear a cool song on the radio and you would think, I love that. I'm going to buy it. And you would go to Kmart and 97 cents. You could buy the single key one, the yellow price tag. Those of you who are old enough to remember Kmart in the sixties. Um, and so I collected those, and then I would listen to Casey Kasem, who was the early version of Rick Dees, or what's his name from Idol, Ryan something, Great. Secret, yeah. Anyway, he would count down the top 40 songs in the nation every Saturday from 9 until 1 o'clock. And I had a notebook, and I would, as he counted down, this is the number 40 song this week, goes to Helen Reddy, it's her debut with I Am Woman, and I would write, Helen Reddy, I Am Woman, is at number 40. And I kept spiral notebooks full of this stuff i don't even know where they ended up um and i sort of became a music junkie and i thought well i'm gonna get into radio uh and then round about the time i graduated high school everybody had a disco you could go to a nightclub and there were disco djs who played these records and uh of course it started out they would just play a song and a song and a song like a radio dj 
but at a dance. And then it got very fancy with the clubs in New York and Chicago and L.A. and London, and they would beat mix them, which is, you know, now you think of a, a furry dance and, you know, it's an hour of with little things that happen, but it's, you know, the, an hour of that. Um, and that grew out of we would play a song and you would find another song in a similar tempo and key and match that. So you would fade it in and it it created one. So it was like having a big medley of all these songs. And then it would gradually you would inch the speed up to get fat. Anyway, so I would hang out in clubs and but I didn't go there to dance or pick up anybody. I went there to observe the DJ and I would order a drink and sit in the corner where I could see and make notes about the songs they were playing and the transitions they were doing. And and so that was my thing. And I kind of got into that. And that got me into radio at about the same time uh, where I would do weekend DJ shifts and then eventually got to be like a midday DJ and got into radio production. Meanwhile, uh, I had played piano all my life. My mother put me into lessons because, as she used to tell me, while the other kids would just sort of pick at the keys and hit notes, I was playing along with the records that she would play in the house. So I had a great musical ear. I could pick up songs like that. And so she put me into lessons to teach me how to sight read. So I had always played as well. And I loved musical theater. My dad took me to see musicals like The Music Man and Godspell when I was a kid. So I loved live musical theater and between playing the organ at church, playing the piano for shows and club, it's like, I don't have to work. I can just do this. Yeah. Of course, it is work. But at the time, it was like, wow, I don't you know, my dad would get up and go to work at seven in the morning and come home at five exhausted. And and he was a, a quality control manager, you know, and, and it that was boring to me. Engineering sure. was boring, even though I was very good at math and probably could have been one, you know, all that stuff. So I had this artistic outlet and that's how I got into that. And then after a while, it was just like, OK, I can't keep doing both. So I said, I'm going to concentrate on the musical theater. It's the professional thing to do. Uh, and the hours are better, although I've <laughs> kept up with the DJing. So anytime yeah. I'm at a con, I will always volunteer and, and submit. Hey, I'm happy to do a DJ set because I still love collecting new music and especially now i spin a lot of old music because everybody has sort of forgotten to play it yeah uh, because yeah. so many young kids don't even know it i think it was all just you know um my common complaint that all furry dj sets sound alike and i will say except mine and except those in europe in europe they still embrace what we call the cheese so lots of lots of cheesy radio songs will make their way into sets there Eurovision, yeah, they lo oh, That's the first fantastic. time I DJed a set in Europe, somebody came up to me and said, "Your music's awesome," and I was playing what <laughs> I thought was just stuff. I was probably the only one who liked, but I was just going to play what I liked, and that was so incredibly validating. So, Europe, I love you. I will always DJ for your cons. America, I'd love to do it here too. Um, if you want something that sounds different than all the other than all the other sets, uh, you can call me. So we're really, really close friends with uh, with a bunny that's a local here. His name is Yama, and I'm pretty sure that you guys probably know of Yama. Um, he's he's always like dancing, and it's okay if you guys don't know. That but I know familiar. that yeah, that really familiar. He always attends your your sets 100 yeah. of the time. He does the poi spinning. He's always he? he's always spinning that's, the poi. Yes, yes, he's yes. A, and he's been to Megaplex. Yes. 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 Yep. yes. 
the yes last megaplex we i've run into him at megaplex yes yeah he goes I to love a lot he's balls. around i love that stuff yama was it we uh, we were outside the i don't know what the area is where the dealer's den was there was that lobby thing and we sat and chatted with yama for a while okay that's right yeah. Yeah. how about yourself rhubarb oh gosh um well i'm not a dj there no that that part is is very short uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, but you make um, your own music no i like i i actually was like one of those kids that sort of got piano lessons thrust upon him you know the, the mom just said you're, you're gonna do this because you're gonna be good at it and she was right she was right but but uh we also lived in a very small rural area in the middle of the country you know, where doing anything like that was very uncool and would probably get you beat up and and so you know, i i remember elton john being on the radio and being kind of envious of him because because he was cool and i was not and, and of course yeah, I I hadn't I hadn't started to figure out how to figure out songs on my own yet because my piano teacher just here's the music read this read that, and uh, and that was that wasn't fun at the time, you know was, I yeah I was good at it no but I that didn't mean I liked it I still found it like really annoying and I begged my parents please let me quit the piano I I never want to play the piano and. And, and of course, I mean, these days I own like eight keyboards, but never mind that. Um, but mom would not let me quit piano unless I joined band. And uh, so in sixth grade, I started playing the alto sax. And that was lots of fun. Uh, in, in, a, in a way, I'm, I'm not really sure if I can describe why because because band class was a really slow class you know I would you know I was I was never struggling at all to keep up with anyone and, and if, if anything they were struggling to keep up with me um, and maybe that maybe that's what I found fun about it what was not not the challenge but like oh wait a minute suddenly you all need me around huh okay yeah I, I can live with this and, uh, and and which pretty much sets up like the the rest of my career as a, a junior high and high school instrumentalist because I, I because my band director was really good about letting me try other things because you know, uh, small schools and sometimes we wouldn't have enough players on any particular instrument and so like over the summer I got to borrow a trumpet uh, my parents bought me a clarinet for Christmas right after that. As a seventh grader, my uh, band director put me on French horn in the high school band because I was actually better than the, than the horn players they had, mostly because I practiced all the time. And, uh, and, it, and it just it, it grew out of control from there because uh and and at any one point in my life i would say well yeah i'm mainly a this player i'm mainly a that player well, yeah but the, the fact is that i i was always kind of hopping back and forth just because i enjoyed the variety of it you know i i was a trumpet major in college but but even then i i realized 
there's a whole lot of music styles that trumpet players never get to join in at all. Uh, so, so I've, I've got to do, I've got to do something that will let me get my foot in the door in as many, in, in as many areas as possible. And, uh, and I, I kind of made up my mind in college, even though I didn't have a good instrument at the time, I thought I'm going to be a bass player because, because everyone in the world needs bass players. Yeah. You know, and, and, of, and of course, you know, that comes with its, with its own uh, problems because there are a lot of bass players out there too. But, uh, but, but, you know, sure enough, as soon as I graduate from college, I, I ended up uh, in a, in the band I would be in for 25 years because I, I brought a tuba in one night and sat in with them and they literally wouldn't let me off the stage. They, they, they <laughs> told me I had to keep playing Trapped forever. To, to the point where it's, Guys, can't I go home at some point? Well, how about if we pay you? Oh, okay. <laughs> the story I remember is somebody offered you a band gig for money, and you told them, hey, I won't be here next week. I've got a paid gig. And they said, well, we'll pay you. And you said, well, you haven't yet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fantastic. Yeah, yeah that, uh, that, that didn't, that, the whole not being paid thing did not last very long. Right. So, right. And uh, so I ended up playing upright bass and singing with them. And, and since they had already worked out their their own melodies and harmonies, I ended up having to learn the harmonies around them, which was extremely challenging. But I like extremely challenging things. And, Fantastic. Uh, and, and that that that's the real that's the really short version of how I ended up doing what I did because a lot of it is, is just, uh, you know, maybe a little bit of, uh, OCD just as far as what am I doing right now? I'm not doing anything. I should, I should be playing a horn. I should, I, I should, I should pick up a guitar. I should play some drums. But I think both of our skill sets sort of merged in that area of arranging and performing, on whatever instruments we need. I do it virtually with computers and keyboards and rhubarb does it with actual instruments. And so that's served us very well in any of the performances we've done. We can, we can just cover whatever we need. And then when we play in bigger groups, uh, when we've played with Fox and Pepper and we'll bring in Coro or, you know, sometimes we have a horn section, Benny, you'll put people together and, yep. and, and uh, so whatever, wherever there's a hole, between us, we just sort of fill that and we smush it all together and make it happen. And, and, you know, if we have people who need help in one thing, we can say, oh, here, do this or whatever, you know, so. Right. It, it's, it's served us very well in our careers. In, in the early days, I, I was, I was Fox's bass player almost every time. Uh, and what happened was, of course, like a whole lot of other bass players in the fandom went, ooh, 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 I want to do that too. <laughs> and so, okay, I'll, I, I can step back. Uh, I've, I've played in the horn section a few times. I, uh, in our last convention, the, the last one we had, which was Texas Furry Fiesta 2020. Yeah. Right yep. before we all yeah. got shut before down. Before yeah. everything went we away. It around to your previous question. I yeah. know, it's fantastic. The last convention you went <laughs> yeah, to. yeah, remember that question you asked about an hour ago? We're finally <laughs> getting around to it. 
Uh, well, hey, do you smell burning in the oven? I smell something burning. I don't know. I think it's my cookies that I put in there. Yeah. I think you better go get those. Okay. Well, let's take a quick break. Let me go check on those cookies and we'll be right back. Okay. Okay. And welcome back. I hope that you've enjoyed that amazing, amazing potty break. And guess what? I know that all of you were wondering. The cookies did not burn. They were really good. We were able to rescue them. <laughs> I know. That's the most important thing. So, hey, I, I, I don't hear that weird music that's usually supposed to happen during our patron list. Let's keep it that way. But I'm going to go ahead and read our patreon list um so we want to thank everybody who is subscribed to our patreon uh you can find us at patreon.com slash fwiw um all the funds we get help pay for the show uh pay for equipment software um all those kinds of things so all my cookies 100 all the cookies uh and who knew cookies could be a tax write-off <laughs> So, I'm just going to go through our list real quick, and thank you everybody who is a Patreon. Uh, So, GW, Nuka, Koru, Bubble Whip, I'm going to say this wrong and I'm sorry, Adlier, Solthier, Moss, James Anderson, Jake Fox, Chappagriff, Ozzy K, uh, Black Baldrick, Katsichi, Katsichi, sorry again, uh, Ligress, Kit, Tyre, Ichigo Okami, Simone Parker, Guardian Lion, Andrew Rabbit, and our newest Patreon, Big Bear Lumo. Yay! Awesome. Thank you again, everybody, for all your support. We really appreciate it. Let me tell you, we could not do the show without you guys, so we appreciate your help. 
So, let's get back to the topic. Yes. So, what are we talking about today, Sammy? So, we're talking about uh, music and DJs and general furry fandom music with uh, Cosmic and Rhubarb. So, guys, you know, you both have a lot of experience with music, um, both in furry and out of furry, which is actually really cool. Um, I was curious, is there difference between i mean i'm sure there is but is there a difference between like the furry music the furry music scene in general compared to you know the non-furry such as you know your regular theater your orchestra and things like that i'm sure there is a lot of difference but is there a lot of overlap as well you know i'm not even sure that for what we do i'm not sure i I can tell a difference in the music at all. You know, it's, it's the same 12 notes of the scale. You know, it's, it's the same skills we use in everything else. Yeah. I did the, the style of the repertoire I think is, is the same lyrically where we skew into the comedy act. So we do a lot of what they call filking, which is taking a, a real song and rewriting it, uh, in a furry way, you know, uh, like um, uh, I, I rewrote Circle of Life into Fursuits of Death. Um, <laughs> I, there, there's, I, I have other songs that embarrass rhubarb, um, <laughs> which I do in my late night set. Um, but then we also take just pop songs, um, you know, some Beatles stuff, Jonathan Colton, that sort of thing. And just do those straight just because they're they cross over into fandom interest you know we're furries but who doesn't love the beatles and you know we all love stale is still alive from portal and and that sort of thing and then of course rhubarb as a composer has written a lot of original stuff and that's something i see furry songwriters in the fandom are writing about their experience uh and i you know the most prolific composer i know with music and lyrics is uh pepper coyote who writes about you know what he knows he's you know he writes about other things as well you look at lighthouse it's not a furry song and it's gorgeous and it was i think a, I don't think it was a commission maybe a gift but it was it, it had to do with real life events for people that he knew uh but then you know he writes things like suit up and uh and uh, I can't remember the title. I have all the, you know, fruit cups, all the all the songs from from hashtag and hashtag tune, all that stuff. And the stuff he writes with Fox Amore. Uh, and Fox was primarily an instrumentalist when I got to know him. He does a lot of, you know, epic film score style stuff and then uh, writes. And I don't know if he was I don't, I don't know. Was Fox writing the lyrics to things like End Tide? Um I, I think that he, he was just starting to get into that as I met him. Yeah, because he's done so much work, like with the Eurofrance Paw Pets, yeah. writing the scores for, and then the theme songs as well. And that was how I met him, because he hired Rhubarb to do uh, a lot of recording and vocals for those things. Um, and those, so, are, those are some of the best lead vocals I've ever done in my life. They're so <laughs> fun, and they're fun to play, especially yeah. for me on what we call keys too uh which is that when it was especially like like five or six years ago when it was just 
three or four of us. It was like Fox Pepper, me and Rhubarb and, and a drummer. Um, but there's all these orchestral sounds on the recordings. So I got to pick those up and I would sit down and, and create a keyboard part with all my synth patches that, that had the strings and the horns and the background choir going, ah, uh, you know, and, and what we call the Lion King boom, that big <laughs> door slam explosion, that sort of thing. Um, but so, yeah, to answer the question, I, I, I don't think in terms of musical style, there's much of a difference. You've got furries who write EDM, the same sort of music you would hear in a dance floor. Uh, look at someone like Matthew Ebel, who started writing piano rock and now writes synth trance stuff. And and it's all brilliant, great stuff, you know, and as he's sort of uh, transitioned to being avian invasion um, you know, that's that's sort of become the the trance arm of what he does. And it and it's all brilliant, but it's all representative of what he likes and what he listens to. And and I, I don't think he's deliberately skewing toward the fandom. That's just who he is as a musician. And it's a great fit. Um, you were rhubarb was in before I was. So you remember groups like Sublevel three? Sub yes, because they because they used to play the, the Midwest uh, U.S. cons, and but the problem is that they they had kind of run their course by the time I came into it, so I, I wasn't ever I I wasn't ever part of the scene there. Yeah, and then you've got people like Mando Andy, who did a few furry things, but also just recorded beautiful cover songs, jazzy cover versions of old classics, and then got tired of furries and thought, no, I only like bronies. So now he's like mando brony or pony andy or andy P so anyway he's he's over in the brony field okay. and doesn't talk to us anymore yeah. um Aww. and then uh who who was it who did the old major remix oh fluffy croc fluffy croc who just rage quit one day and <laughs> left us with a brilliant orchestral remix of one of the songs that rhubarb wrote for the ill-fated animal farm project so the the main yeah, we, reason we understand he's still around, but but, but he's he just, he just hates us all. He doesn't hate us. Oh. He just, it's just uh, he he became uh, he he had some mainstream success and thought I don't I don't want anything attached to it. So he, sure. just, he just removed himself from all fandom stuff. So believe it or not, we actually here at for what it's worth have these lovely things called production meetings. And um, this was actually, this particular episode was actually Sammy's idea. And specifically, um, he wanted to make sure to, to touch on this particular next question. DJs versus mus musicians. Are they different? Are they similar? Or are they somewhere in the middle? Fight. <laughs> <laughs> I tried. He won't fight. I, I saw... <laughs> Um, why not both? Yeah. Um, I, um, I mean, there's a difference between being musical and being a musician. Um, because I think you have to be musical to be a good DJ. You have to understand rhythm. You, I think, need at least a vague sense of 
harmony and tonality so you know what sounds good going together yeah that you helps know, a lot yeah rhythm helps you go okay the songs are constructed in in four beat bars so you can hear so that you can t line the measures up in your head and you know when you're listening to them instead of having go ahead and do a fourth thing and you know they don't line up no. you want your what we call the downbeat the, the the strong beat of each bar to line up um you know you don't want people singing on top of each other or or you know a song that's not in four trying to mix with a song it's just some weird stuff so i think djs are necessarily musical it crosses over in that some djs are also musicians that doesn't necessarily mean they play an instrument the way you traditionally think of it um because we have so many electronic instruments now and and you know even you can put together a fantastic track just throwing some loops and and samples together if you do it artfully you can have a great track um you, you've got you know <laughs> The, the joke 20, 30 years ago, I used to go up to this music store in St. Louis and they'd say, yeah, we got people who shop here. They've won a Grammy and they can't read a note of music. And it was sort of a sticking point with musicians for a while. It's like, oh, you know, you got a rapper who who has a Casio thing that goes. And it just repeats over and over. And they throw in a sample going boom, 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 boom. And it just loops that over and over and over. And they talk over it for five minutes and they get a gold million selling record and get a Grammy award, you know, but there's creativity in there. It's it's something it may not be singing and it may not be physically playing a live instrument, but it's still musical. So music and musical and musician are three different things that vaguely overlap, but aren't necessarily all in the same circle if that makes sense rhubarb what's your thoughts well i i think that i i think that in the past 10 years i've seen a lot of more like traditional music people embrace technology in a way that they probably weren't that keen on doing before. You know, I mean, I, I mean, the, the people who would have gone, uh, well, you know, the, the, what they're doing isn't music, but what I do is music. You know, I don't, I don't hear nearly as much of that sentiment anymore. Uh, just because if nothing else, especially over the past year, you know, it's like if you were a saxophone player, no one was listening to you unless someone with technology was making it possible to to put you on the internet in some easily digestible format or um or you know or if you wanted to you know say record a quartet with yourself all of a sudden oh my goodness i i now i have to open up my computer and learn how to to r manipulate sound on it this is kind of dj like even even if that's not what they're doing you know they are they are using many of the the same technologies to get their more traditional ideas across so yeah i i think we may may be getting to 
the the end of the the balkanization of of uh of what what like whatever rap is and whatever stuff that isn't but you've rap. also got things like you know for better or worse things something like a looper pedal oh, oh yeah you don't need a backup band anymore for two reasons you've got a looper pedal so you can record you know beatbox you know i don't beatbox but they can do you can do that you know pepper coyote has done this for years now he can create his own drum track and then lay down a bass line and then lay down some guitar lines and then lay down vocals and sing his own harmonies and and by mixing and matching the bits the stems, as they call them, that you put down, you can write an entire song and do it that way. Ed Sheeran started out that way. He was his own band. So no one needs a band anymore, unfortunately. Um, but it empowers people to do fully produce stuff without, you know, having having to rely on other people. So yeah, it's, every, you know, there's... Everyone's a producer these days. Yeah. Like, if, if you're not a producer... You're probably not getting your ideas out there. We do when we do shows uh, and shameless plug. We have one coming up on the 13th of March, which is a week from the day that we're uh, taping this. I hope I didn't fib telling people we're taping in advance. Uh, but <laughs> next Saturday, at, I don't even remember the time, but it's at uh, Nordic Fuzzcon in Sweden. But we get to do a show at like 10 in the morning our time or noon or so. I don't know. Some stupid early for us. Uh, but it'll be virtually live cast and it allows us to be part of a con, you know, and that's not even music technology. That's just we we figured out live streaming in a way that works for us. So we get to do that. But there's only two of us. We have a piano. We have a guitar. So Rhubarb will record tracks that we can sing along with. Uh, and fill in all the other instruments, you know. So technology makes all kinds of things possible. It does. Fantastic. So we've actually got Sorry, a... Sorry, I didn't have more oh. to add than it does. Oh, you're fine. Um, we've got a couple of emails, um, which kind of touch into what we've been talking about, especially with getting out there as a musician. Um, so I'll go ahead and read the first one. Um, it says, hello, cast and the esteemed guests. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I absolutely love to sing. I've been in choir since first grade up to college and have taken classes in high school and college. I've been in many of my school musicals, but my favorite was when I was Uncle Fester in the Adams Family musical. I would like to continue singing, but I'm not sure how to really gain a following. I've posted videos on YouTube in the past, and those didn't get much views, uh, I haven't recorded anything since I started my transition a year ago, uh, female to male. So my voice is uh, just kind of starting to stabilize. I guess my question is, where should I share my content to get more of a following? And how do I share without feeling like I'm being pushy about it? Um, with much love and cookies, my follow me lion. And then we've got a second one that we'll have Rue read real quick. Oh, well, you don't want to... Or do you want me to read it? Oh, no, I can read it, but let's let's respond to Mafalme. Okay. So what's your thoughts? Well, I don't know anything about getting music out there. That's not my forte. My, no, but... My you, main thing but is But you Twitter. do voice acting and stuff like that. I do. Um, and you've watched so much Markiplier. Oh, man. <laughs> what does Markiplier have to do with this? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm just throwing... 
thrown out there like gaining a following yeah a lot of it is just keeping on doing it being active um i don't know if there's any specific sites or places that would cater more to the musicians um to to music um cosmic and uh rhubarb do you know of anywhere that is more focused for music um posting and things like that gosh i mean i like I might be one of the worst people to ask about that because you know, because I haven't I have not been trying to like put my stuff out there for for quite a while just because that that wasn't where my head was at you know my my head was was more uh, about you know creating act, like live performances yeah you know, and uh, and like any and any recorded thing tended to get short shrift which is which is a really bad thing in in my life and i'm and i and i need to fix that but but i know that i i listen to fox and pepper talk about the difference between like like uh like youtube and spotify and and how and how many plays and how and and how many streams they have to do before they get paid at all and pretty much and pretty much Spotify is just a way to starve. (laughs) There's, there is, there is nothing, there is nothing. Yeah. uh, What, what, you know, you can earn a million plays on Spotify and I think they tell you don't spend the $10 all in one place. Um, (laughs) I'm old. I may have mentioned that. Uh, And this whole social media way of building a career is so new and really foreign to me. I'm it's still so new. I haven't keyed into it yet. When I was starting out, you would do it by performing live and, you know, the old trope of going out and playing every open mic and coffee house you can find until somebody says, you're good, I'll pay you to do a week. And they pay you $10 to do the week. But then you get a follow and you get a following locally that starts coming to see your shows and that builds and builds. And then you get booked in the big city an hour away and you're following, you know, and, and it builds that way. And then you save up enough money to do a really crappy demo recording, but somebody in that demo hears the demo recording and says, we're going to give you a shot. And they say, come make a record. And then they don't tell you that, by the way, we're going to take the cost of making this record out of everything it earns for the first five years. But you, it, but then the record gets played on the radio, and that means you get more club dates out of it, and that's where you earn money. And then you can sell your CD at the club. Anyway. It was a whole machine for, for getting machine. famous and working as a musician. And now it's like, well, I need to put it out on YouTube. And I think, yeah, you do. And Spotify and iTunes and CD Baby and Bandcamp, Bandcamp and SoundCloud and everything out there. And uh, the, the thing for a while was, well, I have to sell my music. And there's a lot of people who say, no, give it away. You know, pick things to give away for free because that creates your fan base. Um you need to have a Twitter and a Facebook and an Instagram and a TikTok and all these other things. It's too much for me. This is why I work in live music and I never bothered with this. And I do have a band camp. Uh, I have two songs on it. Um, it's Bandcamp slash Cosmic, 
I think, C-O-S-M-I-K. I don't even know. I have to look it up every time I want to send somebody to it. But a couple of the songs that I wrote for shows that we were doing were fun enough that uh, we recorded them and I put them up there. And I think I've made $62 out in my entire career on Bandcamp. They remind me of that every month when they say, you didn't make any money this month. Um, so the other thing because of social media that I've gleaned is consistency, uh, particularly on a YouTube channel or Patreon, put things out consistently once a week, put out a song a week. If it's a cover version or a work in progress or something, um, give people something every week. And I don't follow my own advice. I don't put once a week on my YouTube. I don't put once a week on my Patreon. I'm terrible about that because I'm so busy working real time. And some of the stuff I'm like, nobody cares about that. I'm like, I should, you know, well, here's a thing I was working on. <laughs> it's not a finished product. And I always feel like maybe people want that, but maybe they don't because I see so many other people that I contribute to going, well, here's a work in progress. Or here's, you know, some lyrics I was I was thinking of. And I'm like, I have a shoebox full of partial lyrics that would last me a year on Patreon, but I don't think to upload that stuff. Um, but that's the general idea, I think. Uh, you can't make people love you. Definitely. That's, that's a really, really good one. Will they respond? I don't know. You just never know. It just eventually someone will because everybody, there's, everything is loved by somebody. You know, even it's if it's just your mom, but eventually, you know, then her friends in the knitting club will support just because, oh, support my son or my daughter or whatever. Um, and specifically, I think I heard in that email there was a question about transitioning voices for trans people. Yes. And we have two amazing trans artists that I know of, which are Amadia, who was m to f and i don't i they're they've been very open about this so i feel comfortable yeah. out, outing them as it were because they're already out and the other is alexander james adams who was f to m and both of them are super super nice people very accessible on social media amadi is sort of retired from performing but she's still out there um and any either of them I think would be happy if you reach out to them and say, I'm transitioning. How do I do this? Amadia has, we've, we've had chats about how she went to a vocal coach who specifically worked with her on, on softening her voice and, and creating her female voice. And uh, I haven't talked to Alexander about this, but I'm, you know, I don't know if he's worked on a, with a vocal coach or just, has naturally, you know, if it's settled, I don't know how all that works, but I know there are qualified vocal coaches who do work with trans people specifically on the issues. I have a friend who's a speech therapist in uh, Arkansas who also works with trans people just on on vocal placement when when you're M to F getting getting your soft voice softer and further up and when you're F to M just working to make it more masculine sounding. Um, so there, there are people out there uh, who are happy to chat with you and help you on that sort of thing. So our next guest, or sorry, our next email is from Moosh. It says, hi, ruined guest. My name is Moosh. I haven't been active in the fandom for long. I just started to get involved with furry stuff this past August, and I'm loving it so far. Welcome. Um, I've ran into something of an obstacle uh, with putting myself out there. However, 
um, see, I'm a new, uh, I'm a musician, but I mostly just play instruments. I'm not really a writer, composer, or producer. I've tried writing music with some degree of success, but it's not really my forte. Pun also intended. Basically, since the fandom is mostly online these days, um, as somebody who pretty much just plays instruments, I'm finding it hard to connect with fellow musicians in the fandom. Do you have any advice or thoughts on how I might be able to get more involved with other musicians in the fandom when cons and meets aren't really happening? Should I just try writing music again so I have something to bring to the table in an online space? I can't wait to hear your thoughts. Moosh. So, yeah, it it seems like there there are several issues all going on at once there. We might want to try to. First off, you are me. (laughs) Or you are me if there were no cons when I first got into the fandom. Because I. And if you didn't sing. Well, okay, so I sing uh, passably well, and I've written a few songs almost always because I said, Rhubarb, write a song about this. And he said, well, how should it go? And I said, you know, something like this. And he said, well, what about the words? I said, well, here, I wrote a verse. And then he says, now finish it. And the next thing I know, he's forced me to write a song. (laughs) Thank you. See how he is? Um. So first off, stop judging your own work. Other people will do that for you. Trust me. Um, Then two words, cover versions. If you're not inspired to write anything, find a song you like and do a cover version of it. And maybe it's just, I don't know what you play. Maybe it's an oboe solo of Born That Way by Lady Gaga. It doesn't matter, but do that. And then you can upload that stuff to Fur Affinity. It's a great repository for all that sort of stuff. And then, po- they, they, I, they, what do they call it? Cross-posting. Then then there's the thing. I don't know if F.A. does this automatically, but hey, I made a new song on your Twitter or your Facebook or your TikTok or whatever. Link to that on your on your F.A. or your SoundCloud or, your, or whatever hosting site you're using. Or maybe you made a video on your iPhone of you playing this in your bedroom Get it out there. That's how everyone starts. And like I say, you know, then if you're really into the technology, I am not, but some people are. And you're one of those people who can do, oh, I have, what's the program? I don't even know what the program is. So you can record you playing the oboe part. And then if you're an instrumentalist who can do that, a piano accompaniment for it and maybe a bass line or, or, humming or singing on you know whatever other things to go with it i i don't know why i assumed you play the oboe nobody plays the oboe <laughs> i used to play the oboe so somebody he plays, plays it the better oboe. than i do now yeah. um but anyway but that's the thing just make stuff and put it out there and then on telegram which i haven't mentioned before there is let's oh, there see so classically trained pause there's uh, furry musicians. There's the furry community concert band. 
musical theaters. Oh my gosh. Uh, there, there's more. There's like furries who music, musical furries. There's, there's so many. I can't even find all of them now. But I'm in one that is just the the people who are uh, available to uh, play in the mini marching band we have every year at Anthrocon. Yes. Now, Anthrocon may or may not happen this year. They have to plan on it right now because we don't know what the COVID's going to be like. And contracts and read boozy. Uh, Bar- boozy badger on twitter if you want to know the whole reason why they have to say we think there's going to be a con whether you want there to or not yeah, when you can mistake. when you can get to anthrocon when anthrocon happens and you can get there bring your instrument you maybe you play tuba that could be kind of restrictive i don't know but there is a furry marching band there are furry jam sessions if we know that you're there with an instrument, we will put you on stage in any of the shows that we do. We do one on Saturday night called Anthrocon Tonight. And we try and fill the stage with musicians for at least the end of it. You know, we will we will spotlight, you know, so that's a great way to be seen. Mo- a lot of cons, I won't say most, but a lot of the ones, especially that we go to, have open jam sessions or even just a furry musician meet and greet. Um, we've done them at Eurofrance. We've done them at Furry Fiesta. Um, Furry Fiesta, by the way, is probably the most musical con we go to. Yes. Multiple concerts, musician meet and greets, jam sessions, just hangouts, all sort of. So that's a great con if you're a musician. Uh, Anthrocon, also great. Um, and Eurofrance, music all over the place there as well. Fantastic. So that that's my take, is, is just do what you can. Get it out there as much as you can, and and people will find it. Yeah, I mean, I'm I am kind of wondering because of the fact that you know, we're we're kind of our gray muzzle approach here is you know we got it in on fur affinity and we're still on fur affinity and we know that you know, there are other options out there these days, but it's it's kind of it's kind of inspiring to me how much traction I got in the early days just putting the most odd and disconnected uh, experiments on, on fur affinity. And, and that's, that's honestly how I got hooked up with Fox to begin with. You know, it wasn't that I was ever going, Oh, Fox, let me, let me do, do something on your record. You know, I, I think it was just that we, you know, we became aware of each other and, and would comment on each other's pieces. And then one day he said, yeah, I've, I've, I have some really silly lyrics. You want to try singing them? Run around all day long, lousy pay. It's all wrong. And uh, and and a hit was born. Russ was born the happy song. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, and and yeah, you know, but but that, you know, the thing is, I mean, that wasn't the result of of any like 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 career boosting initiative or anything. It was just, it was two guys being silly back and forth. And, uh, and, and that's kind of when it became magical. And it's the matter of just putting yourself out there and, and, and just giving it a try, I think. It is. Um, and then I have one last very important question. Okay. That is dear to my heart. 42. <laughs> no. <laughs> This it is was Agatha all along. Oh, <laughs> Shh, no spoilers! And I killed RMFC too. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is just me being silly. 
But this is just my personal opinion. Why does everyone play the Wub Wub music at cons? We need more dance music at the con dances. Okay. I have I have thoughts. Um, oh, yes, he does. Oh, no. <laughs> the biggest answer I can think I can give you is because that's what the DJs who apply to do sets play. Sure. That's their music. The same way when I do a set, you're going to hear songs. You're, you're going to hear Euro pop. You're going to hear 80s and 90s and probably some 70s disco in there and then maybe a current tune or two and and i mean <laughs> as an example i do once a month i do a dj set on radio rabbit hole rabbitsfoot.us the last sunday of each month but not the last sunday of march we're going to do it a week later but i digress um but the one i did last week the last song i played in that set was agatha all along <laughs> That's it was awesome. fantastic. Good. You've seen WandaVision. Yes. yes. I haven't seen it's the last one of the episodes. the songs from the WandaVision TV show. <laughs> and it was great fun. Yeah. And I mixed it in because I can. Um, there are some DJs who just, that's their, their music. DJ Fur does phenomenal top 40 sets. And he's smart enough to do his own remixing and things. I keep offering to pay him to come over because he lives in Orlando as well. And teach me how to use QLab so I can do that stuff. Um, you got, you know, Big Blue Fox sort of spans all the genres because sometimes he'll play songs, you know, and then sometimes he'll do four hours of, of music you've never heard. And it just hits really hard. He's got great taste. Swolf over in the UK um, does great cheesy sets. Um, you know, there are there are some other we call us. I call us the, the cheese DJs um, <laughs> because. There are some furries who sort of poo-poo playing anything you've heard of. They just want to hear this sonic soundscape for an hour. And I believe there are a great deal, a vocal or, or non-vocal majority, a silent majority of people who would go to dances, but they don't because they don't know the songs. So my philosophy is give them something they recognize. Yeah, I fall under that. Definitely. You can always put yeah. the, the, the wub-wub underneath it. Yeah. But I think there are a lot of young DJs who just don't get into that sort of music, and there's nothing wrong with it. That's not what they listen to. They listen to, you know, uh, the those EDM tracks and people, you know, Tiesto and Steve Aoki and, and you know, Marshmello and all these people who put out these sort of sonic sounds. It's, you know, instrumental tracks, and that's a Martin Garrix. You know, they have a sample and a hook and a loop and everything. Hook and loop, though, not Velcro. That'd be a great DJ name. Oh, DJ Velcro, DJ. and all you play are hooks <laughs> and loops. That's a very, very brainy joke. You have to know that Velcro is the brand name of a hook and loop fastener. Yes. Anyway, the point is that's what they play because that's what they like. And there are so many of these people doing drum and bass or trance or hardcore, you know, doing their genre. They are an almost exclusive majority of the people that submit to do a free show at a con. Yeah. Because the people who are playing other music are either getting paid for it at bigger cons or we're older and we don't want to stay up late or they don't have their own, you know, whatever. Um, 
So there's there's very few of us who do that. Um, and you'll see, you know, cons, if you read Twitter, will say, well, we'd love to have a hip hop set, but we don't have any hip hop DJs. Um, we'd love to have a this set, but we, you know, a Latin set. We don't have Latin DJs. So part of that is that, you know, I don't know if the cons need to make a greater effort to reach out and find furry DJs who do that, or if we truly just don't have those DJs, or we do and they and they we don't. Probably do. I think we do. Yeah. Um, you know, because we have hip hop artists like Bucktown that we've got to have hip hop DJs. So you know, uh, in Europe at was it Confuzzled? It had to be at Confuzzled. You know, and they did. They did a hardcore metal set. Wow. That's awesome. They had somebody who did. They did heavy, heavy, you know, Nordic metal rock for an hour. And it had a great turnout because there were people who wanted to dance to that. So, you know, if you build it, cons, they will come. <laughs> they will. Well, fantastic. Well, I have a weird question. This is a bonus question. Well, it's not really a question. Have you guys ever played a game called Drop Mix or heard of it? Drop Mix or Nix? It's Mix. Drop Mix. So what it is, is it's a, it's actually something that came out by Hasbro. And basically, there's a whole bunch of like AR cards and you play it, place them down on the machine and it will play a music track. And then if you play a place another, like for instance, it could be like, um, oh, I can't think of music now. Like a bass line um, or a... A bass line or, it, and it will mix different songs automatically for you. Yeah, based on the cards that are on the machine. Yes. I've never heard of that game, but it sounds awesome. Well, I recommend that you you should pick that up. It's it's a pretty You might pretty have awesome some fun game. with it. Yeah. I will definitely look for that. Anywho, uh we're now at final thoughts, are we? I think so. We're about there. So, uh, I to start off with this final thought, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of furries from different walks of life that, that are listening to this particular show. And um, what's kind of your thoughts about, your final thoughts about music? That's a really poor that question. That is a really broad question. I know, I know. <laughs> Gosh. Well, yeah, well, like, what have we not said that we're going to, like, walk away from this thinking, oh, we should have said this. Support furry musicians. There's a lot to do at cons. Everyone is competing for your every second of attention, especially in the late afternoon and at night when music tends to get programmed. You know what? That room party is going to be raging until 3, 4 a.m. Trust me, you will get drunk. You will get laid. <laughs> Go to a concert and, and support furry musicians. Maybe it's a Sunday afternoon at 1 p.m. and you're still hungover. Go anyway, just sit in the back, be a body in the room, because even that means so much to musicians. Um, yeah. But participate, look for them in the dealer's den or, or in the hall. And if you liked it, tell them you liked it. If you didn't, keep your big mouth shut. It's just your opinion. Who cares? <laughs> um, but the biggest thing is support, you know, follow them on Twitter or F.A. or friend them on Facebook or, you know, download a track now and then. Listen to the Rabbit's Hole. Rabbit'sFoot.us um, is the website. Uh, they do a broadcast, I 
think it's I know it's every Sunday evening starting at 10 p.m. Eastern. And they do another one that used to be Saturday afternoon, maybe Monday now. I'm not sure. But check that out because Romeo plays all kinds of amazing furry music. There are other webcasts and internet radio stations, and I apologize that I don't remember them offhand. I remember rabbitsfoot.us because that's the one that I do my mix show on. Um, and and like when Rhubarb and I will come out with a new track, I'll always send it along to Romeo so he doesn't have to buy it because it's expensive buying, and I'm old school and believe in sending what they call promotional copies to the radio stations, because if they play it, other people will hear it, and maybe then they'll go out and buy it. Um, uh, there's a, a podcast in the UK called Tiger Tales Radio uh, that I listen to when I can on Mondays and when I can't afterwards on YouTube, but they play um, uh, original tracks as well. There's, um, f- is it furcast.fm? I think. They're, they're, but anyway, you can find these things. They're on FA. They're on Twitter. If you just web search furry music, there's all kinds of things. So we would love to have your support. Monetary support is great. If you want to be a Patreon, every furry musician you can think of has a Patreon. Cassidy, Teddy, Fox, Pepper, me. Um, everyone has one. You know, uh, all artists, all podcasts. You guys have a Patreon. You know that that's sort of the new thing. Um, you know, I treasure that $7.92 a month. It, 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 it buys me a coffee. It, you know, it basically what it does is pay for the money that I give to other people on Patreon and, and it helps support that habit. So I call it recycling. Um, but it's a form of support. When I find somebody that I think is really good and deserves support, I'll throw them at least a buck a month. Um, so that's, that's the thing for me is, you know, just, just say hi say i appreciate you i like your song that goes a really long way and mostly when cons start up again lend us an ear come listen you know smile be a good audience clap for us and if you're a musician participate find a way to get your instrument if it's not too big bring it along and play it there's a cello player we met in in Dallas, and I know that's a big instrument to have to carry, but boy, if I can get them to Anthrocon, I am putting them on stage. Yeah. Rubar, final thoughts? Oh, gosh. Um, I, I wish I had as good of a prompt as Cosmic had. <laughs> I, I, I made... I, I made, the same prompt, final thoughts. Oh, <laughs> I, I, I'm, not, I'm, not sure I, I'm not sure I have any. Uh, I, I mean, I could... Yeah. I've, I'm sitting here actually during during this whole interview thinking about uh, a project of mine that has been uh, like sadly n- neglected for uh, uh, the past year now, which is uh, the rock opera that I started working on uh, a couple of years ago called Oni the Runaway Circus Bear. And uh, the the concept is that it's you know it's going to be the last rock opera ever in the world because it's it's such a tired old fashioned format that no one is ever going to bother to do this again until somebody does until somebody does and then I'll and then I'll have to worry about that but it it is the story of of rhubarb's dad in in my little head canon who was you know the the greatest. Uh, uh, 
a, a circus acrobat performer in the world. And, uh, and it's, it, and it's just the, you know, this story about how he became disillusioned with where he was in the world. And, and so, so he runs away to try to make, make something different of it. And, and well, I'm, I'm, I'm I won't give away the whole plot, but, uh, but uh, it, you know, let, let's say that it, it actually is the sort of message that I want to kind of leave as my legacy to the world, if that's even a thing. You know, the, 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 here, here are some thoughts that, you know, that are positive enough to, to kind of dwell on. Um, my goal is for rhubarb, for, for me to make enough money to give to him so he can afford to finish recording everything he's written. Uh, we talked a while about the show that came after Julie Bunny. That got recorded. But then there's Fosgate, Ferret Loan Officer, that needs to be recorded. Yes. You need to finish recording Oni, The Runaway Circus Bear. And then he's written all these other songs for non-furry musicals and projects that I would love to get recorded and get out there because I think he's a brilliant performer and composer and writer. And that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. And I love so many of your songs, including the ones that you sort of don't like anymore like happy endings and oh no you, you can always have happy endings. <laughs> happy endings is about him oh, uh, oh. <laughs> well that's but, not why i like it though it's just a beautiful song but um yeah i've i am mostly just looking forward to like the end of the pandemic and a return to whatever kind of level of normal we're going to have just because I need that to finish my projects because my projects require other people. And it's like, yeah, I, I'm hard. I'm, I don't often write for my own voice. I'm only, I'm writing for someone else's. And, and, uh, and for a long time it was, uh Oh, I was scheduled to have some, so-and-so come in and sing, but I've run out of money. <laughs> it's like, I, okay, let's give me another couple months because you know, my, I had to get a root canal. So I, I can't, pay someone to to sing for me and then over the past year it's been well we can't actually be in the same room together so who knows when we can finish these things but uh we are we are oh slowly slowly taking our baby steps out and i can't wait because yeah. sammy just, i just have so much so much to get done we're looking forward to the next con Whenever it is. Whenever it is, it, we will all Whenever. be there. <laughs> any any final thoughts, Sammy? No, I think that's great. As Cosmic was saying, get your stuff out there. Someone will hear it. Support each other. Yeah, that's I, all that I was going to say yeah. is just don't give up on yourself. And, you know, if you go to a convention, you sign up to be a DJ and nobody shows up for it, don't let that get discouraged. Like, don't let that discourage you and stop you from doing something that you love. So... On that note, let's go to the mailbag. There's nothing in here. Oh, no. There's nothing in the mailbag. Uh-uh. Ah, <gasps> uh, man. Darn it. That's okay. Next time. Maybe next time. So how do people send into the mailbag? So if you have any thoughts, comments, questions, anything you'd like to talk to us about or tell us, you can reach us at cast at forwhatitsworth.com. Or if you want to talk to me, which I don't know why you would, you can reach me at Sammy at 
forwhatitsworth.com. And I'm Rue at forwhatitsworth.com. So, housekeeping. First of all, I want to thank Sammy for putting this lovely episode together. It was all Sammy. Um, I pretty much just sat in the background and um, twiddled my thumbs. And played with the buttons. Yeah, I played with the buttons. So thank you so much for, for putting this together, um, getting setting up the guests and everything like that. And of course, thank you to Voss for editing and also Firebreath for his amazing voice talent on this episode. So also make sure that uh, you comment on the site. Our website is still broken. <laughs> It'll get there eventually. But I know that we are currently working on it. Uh, there's some things that... Um, did, did we find someone that could work on it? Because uh, none of us know how. Well, we Tugs is going to be working on it a little bit. But if you have some expertise on websites, please feel free to shoot us a message. Yeah, we, we could use the help. We love your help. Um, comment on social media. You guys are great at um, retweeting our tweets and getting our message out there. The main thing is, is we don't spend your patron dollars on marketing. Um, our podcast is just 100% uh, word of mouth. And of course, we put it out on Twitter and, you know, all the different podcasts and different things like that. But um, we also have lovely Telegram. Um, how do they get to our telegram, Sammy? Uh, they can message one of us or email the cast or any way they want to, and we can get you added on there. So what's your telegram handle? So my telegram is just at Sam Southpaw. Awesome. And of course we will ask you one question, one lovely question of whether or not that you're over the age of 18. Um, tell a friend about our show. Like I said, it's word of mouth. And is there anything else that we have for housekeeping? I think that's it. I just want to thank uh, Cosmic and Rhubarb for joining us. I really appreciate them uh, taking the time out to come and talk to us about what they do and their music and their experiences in the fandom. Um, Cosmic and Rhubarb, do you have any... Of uh, your sites you want to plug, anywhere people can contact you if they want to maybe pick your brains a little bit or anything like that. Um, I mean, I pretty much live on Twitter. Okay, <laughs> what's like, what's like, your like, Twitter, like, Rhubarb? Yeah, Rhubarb the Bear. <laughs> one one word. And mine is at the real cosmic, C O S M I K. It's Cosmic with a K, not Cosmic with a C, because Cosmic with a C goes socks, not songs. It's co- Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> There's reasoning for the name. Okay. There is. Well, perfect. Thank you again so much for joining us. Yes, uh, we definitely. Really you guys have been it. amazing guests. Thank you so much for coming on. So our next episode is going to be about professional development. So we're going to be talking a little bit about how to take... Um, how you were a con chair at a furry convention and how to put that on your resume and sound professional. Now, we're actually going to... The guest has already been selected for this particular episode. This individual is not... um, um, They go by the name of Nas and they have... They work specifically with the homeless population and help them to be able to find housing and also to be able to find employment. So if you have any questions about um, 
you know, how to build a resume, interview um, techniques, different things like that, um, go ahead and send them our way. Um, we also have another episode that's coming up that we wanted to tell you about. Yeah. Well, the one afterwards um, is all going to be all about fursuit maintenance. Um, we had our fursuit handling episode just a little bit ago. Um, this time we're talking more about the what do you do after you get the giant teddy bear suit in the mail? How do you keep it clean? Uh, what happens if something goes wrong? That kind of stuff. So if you have a fursuit or you're looking at getting a fursuit um, and you're not quite sure what to do with it once you've got it um, and, you know, you've been sweating in it all day and all that good stuff, um, shoot us an email. We'll be happy to answer any questions you have about that. Awesome. Well, on that note, this has been Rue. And Sammy. Rhubarb. And cosmic, for what it's worth. And you've been listening to... <laughs> for what it's worth. For, for what, what it's, it's worth. worth. Yay! Yeah. <laughs>